I did. Let's no. No, I'm using an electric razor. I'm going to just say, why in the world would somebody not use an electric razor in this day and age? So real men don't use electric razors. Right? Yeah, I, I can just see what it is. I can just see Ack like in his in his in his bathroom with one of those big leather things sharpening up the straight. Oh, just stop there. Just stop there. That's all you have to do. You got it. You nailed it. If you go any further, you're going to miss it. I, I, I don't <laughs> one those big leather things sharpening. Yeah, that's it. No, I have. I have. I use. I'm not. A, I'm not a masochist. I use regular. Fix this. Sorry, regular razors. But um, you know, not. I I don't find electric razors where. I mean, I I I recently got to try out like the best one ever made. Like this incredible electric razor. That's just like my you know father-in-law uses. He's like, oh, you gotta try this. And I, I don't know. I don't what? have. When I was when I was just starting to shave in my late teens, my father had one of those three uh, those Norelcos with the three heads. Yep. yep. And I swear to God, I got the worst irritation and rash from that thing because my skin was just not accustomed to the electric razor. So I've never used electric razors ever. I've always used yeah. uh, regular. But, but here's the thing. They may not be the smoothest, and I don't mind having like a smidge of stubble, or if it's not perfect. Yeah. And I don't have those accidents anymore with my skin. I would always. Yeah, but you see, you guys have beards. You know, like you actually have beards, so that's a different thing. Like you know, if you don't have beards, even pre-beard. Yeah. Once you get a bleeder, it never happens at a good time. It's always like three that's minutes before sure. you have to be somewhere. Say that again. No, you're right. And there, but no, that's why you always need one of those step. Yeah, I have septic pencils. Those are those are those are those are torture devices, but they work. They do. We have them for our dogs because when we cut their nails. In oh case. my god, that must hurt a dog. But no, you're right. These what you got to use. I mean, just keep keep them. Septic powder or septic pencil, either way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are they are something though. They are really something. Yeah. Um, I know. I got a I got a text message from our buddy at the CBC wondering why Russ the chicken is covering is is following him too. <laughs> I had to explain to him what was going on here. We had no control over the chicken. Yeah, he took like two days to follow me. I mean, I created the guy, and he's taking two days to follow me. <laughs> like, he's already got an attitude. Yeah, well, there you go, you know. You created him. He's going he's gonna to be all over. He's, gonna, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's his own chicken. He said that. He is. All right, but let's get started. we got a lot of fun things got, to talk about today. we got lots of stuff to talk about. Jeez. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. The 19th of April. Only Tuesday. Hello, Hockey World. It's Tuesday, April 19th, 2016. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I am Eklund, and you're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes to you every Monday through Friday at this time to talk to you about what's going on in hockey and to explain to you simple things like there are idiots in every fan base, <laughs> not just Philadelphia, okay? Um, and yes, there are idiots in Philadelphia, but they're not just in Philadelphia, okay? And if, if these things were given out at any arena, this would have happened, and I'm 100% I'm sure of that. I mean, maybe it wouldn't have happened in Nashville, but most pla or most places, yeah, most places this. And, I, and, and, you know, to the Flyers, you know, you feel bad about this because the Flyers have gone through a lot lately, and, and, and the Flyers came out and... and you know, if you're not following along, we're talking about, of course, about Bracelet Gate, which is the latest thing that's happening in Philadelphia, and the fact that you know, we talked about before the before the game actually last night. Russ, Russ and I were looking at the bracelets, and I, I wonder what the heck these things were on everybody's seats. And you were right; they turned them on ahead of time. Yep. I first saw this technology um, at a at a Taylor Swift concert, 
at the at Citizens Bank. It's Taylor Swift, I, you know, has these bracelets. They are, and there's a lot of questions as to what they are. They weren't part of the Ed Snyder tribute. They weren't. Um, they were. They were. They. This was planned. Part of the introduction. It was the intro. Right. This was planned a long, long time ago. Um, and if you look on my my Instagram or my Twitter, I think I, I even have I have some video of how they look and what they and they're cool. They they they're synchronized. Via, you know, via near field Bluetooth, the right near near field Bluetooth technology, and they're synchronized to the music, and they they do really look cool. I mean, it, and you know, especially from where I mean, I I videotaped it and tweeted it out, and it looked really good. And and of course, these are things that can be thrown, and anything that can be thrown, um, you know, this isn't exactly Bat Day at, at Veterans Stadium, but this is something that you know, <laughs> this is this is not. I mean, these things they're not. That dangerous, but I have, I have, I have. I think we have them. My, my daughter kept hers from Taylor Swift concert. I didn't see any last night, but it's a shame it took away from a lot, of course, of um, an otherwise fantastic game that um, people would have loved to have witnessed. I'm just kidding. <laughs> what? <laughs> it was a fantastic game for about ten minutes. You know, it was really a really good game, pretty good game for the first ten minutes, and um, yeah. and then it kind of it lost a lot of its hoopla and. Um, yeah, because the Capitals are 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 that good, and the Capitals are good, and their pick and, they, and their power play is crazy good. And you know, if you if you have referees that are going to call the game, I'm not so I'm not blaming the referees at all. But you know, this is the kind of this is the kind of thing the only chance the Flyers have are referees that are going to let things go. You know, like referees let things go for both sides because five on five the Flyers have been okay. But when you get to the power play, the Caps have probably the best power play in the world, and the, right now the Flyers have easily the worst. So yeah, you're looking at you know, you might as well just you know. Decline the penalty and, and give them a goal, so you have more time to get back into the game. You know, it's like, it really, to me, that's like that's that's where they're at because you know you might as well just let them score. Go ahead, shoot it in the net. Well, that way we have two more minutes to get back into the game because all that all that's happening is wait. You're wasting time waiting for the Caps to score. They they really even in the, the power play right at the end of the first period, um, the Caps just had six or seven glorious chances and you know and didn't and could have end any time. I mean, you're talking about you know. The Flyers on one side have Voracek waiting for the one-timer, you know, and, and the Caps have Ovechkin, and Voracek has one goal all year, and Ovechkin has 50 goals, and 20 of them are on the power play. So, you know, when all said and done, it's a big difference there. And Backstrom, you know, it's more... they The, the Flyers, like I said, I, I still don't understand the Flyers' power play not being changed up. I guess they're just not going to change the power play. I don't I don't understand it at all. It's become a, It's become so predictable because there really is nothing on the right side. I was talking yeah. about Bill Meltzer with it last night. It really comes down to you've got Giroux and Gossipier, who are usually who tend to be too close together um, in this. Uh, you know, one you know Giroux's on the half boards. You know, my favorite expression, the half boards, and Gossipier is back at the point, um, all both on the left. And then and you know Gossipier should be in the center, but tends to drift more towards Giroux in the left. If Simmons in, on the left again and down by the net, and you have Shen in the middle of the net in the slot, but and then you have Voracek on the right. So there's no right point person on the Flyers power play um, and really it's so easy to, it, all you have to do is shut down that left side because Voracek's been ineffective and yesterday when they got a couple passes through to him he passed those shots off so I, I didn't understand that either so it's frustrating for Flyers fans and you know but you know the last thing I'll say about the bracelet thing is it, it really is like I mean it is funny to live in Philadelphia and this is and you've seen it Russ and just the whole idea that the Flyers or Philadelphia sports fans are the worst fans on the planet and this is like something that I mean, look, Yankee fans are known for the same thing I've seen Met fans do it like it's just 
It's happened everywhere. It, it has happened anywhere. I'm telling you, it would be no different if it was in Washington or and and the thing was going the same way. Remember, the, there was a very emotional evening, and not and the Flyers did the right thing. They came out and they recently they just put an apologetic statement out there. Wait, 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 wait a second. But before Russ just says, I'm going to say this. We were talking about this last week. Right. Panthers, the 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 right. idiotic Panthers fans throwing the rats out on the ice with nine seconds left to go. So apparently, I'm, it's different if you throw things if you're happy. That's well, right. I, I know, but but I'm but but it's 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 the collective stupidity and psychosis of any fan base to yes. react that way. So I'm not going to slag Philadelphia fans yeah. because they were displeased with what was going on in the game. Just because I'm not going to you know I, I'm going to put them paint them with the same brush that I do with Florida Panthers fans. Throw the damn rat after the whistle after the, after the game is over yeah. with. Don't throw it on and give and give your team a penalty. The one thing, yeah, the one thing I'll say is this is like the one thing that's really bothering me. And I actually was watching something, something, and I tweeted it, and they changed, they changed their tune. All right, I texted a friend of mine who was on the air earlier. Um, like there is this thing going on. There's this belief that this is like that. This was like the Ed Snyder commemorative bracelets that people were throwing this, and that's just not the case. It's not. That's not what happened at all. This is something. TSN, TSN got that wrong, and I tried to correct TSN on on Facebook for that. I wrote about the game. And how could TSN get it wrong? Because uh, Frank Saravelli was right there. You know, that's that's crazy to me that they got that wrong. I mean, he was literally three seats away from me and you. I don't know how. And I didn't even look to see who wrote the article. Once it had in the headline, Ed Snyder bracelet, I just immediately corrected it. Uh, my, but here's. They ordered these for game two as well. Did you see someone just tweet out? I think it was. Yes. Yeah, it was. Chuck Warren leave it. Right, right, right. So you out that there's. That he found the boxes that said bracelets for game two, you know, in the. In the Wells Fargo Center, this is this has been planned for months, and it's it's a cool concept. Um, the problem is, you know, you need to probably hardwire these into the chairs, <laughs> right? <laughs> to yeah, make, because otherwise, you're not. You, if there's something that people can throw, they're going to throw them. If they're upset, if the Flyers won last night, none of these would have been thrown on the ice. It's just it's going to have to be something like that. I I wrote about the bigger picture on Sportsology, but I'll talk about the game. So the the first thing is. Is that you know we we all pretty much agreed Mike Richards can't play anymore, but the one thing he could do is annoy people. Okay. And Wayne Simmons just took the bait, hook, line, and sinker. And twice he was off the ice, and that was just an absolute win for for the Capitals because like that's a bonus. If yeah. they could get Wayne Simmons off the ice for any amount of time and take him out of offensive situations when he is out there, they win. So yeah, that's they, 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 they do. And and you're right. And he has become and you said it very well. I think in the, in between periods that he's. You probably wrote this in your story as well, Sean. He's become Sean Avery, or he's become, you know, Matthew Barnaby. He's become yeah. this is what he's become, and he is very good at that role. He is, and you know, and that is not a bad role for the Capitals to have because the Capitals have. I mean, to be honest, the Caps haven't really had that, and it's been it's been a problem with them over the past. Right. But I mean, th th this is this is not symptomatic of why the Flyers are down three nothing. But we mentioned this at the end of the regular season in that game in Detroit when Simmons took himself off the ice yeah. by by punching Abdulkader, you know, his, knocking his helmet off late in the third period. And 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 you, you when you're one of the better players on the team, when you're one of the more effective offensive players, and you're having trouble generating offense, you don't. Let yourself getting taken off by a fourth liner who can't play anymore, and that's what he did. He, he, like Russ said, he played right into Richard's hands, and that you know that that is that, that that's a terrible thing. And yeah. we can't talk about fatigue and injuries because everybody has fatigue and injuries. Yeah. So, but we could talk about coaching a little bit. And mm -hmm. the Flyers, when they were winning, they weren't putting the other team on the power play. They just weren't. 
Right. Other right. teams were getting like one power play game. Yeah. And now you know they're they're going back to what they were at, where they were at maybe the third week of the season when Hackstall was a new coach, and and it's all kinds of penalties. And part of that is because they're faster, and part of that is because they're bigger, and part of that is is because they're frustrated. And the frustrated part is what I think the coach has to sort of rein in and say, hey, look, we're yeah. down. The series isn't over. We were once down 0-3 to the Boston Bruins and came and this organization right. came back and won. Nobody's expecting them to come back and win, but you just have to win the next one, right? And yeah. And so for them, they can't put them on the power play. They just can't. It's just it's really simple like that. And yet, who knows if that message will get through? Yeah. And and you know what, Act? They also need. And I and I'm hesitant to to criticize. Especially after I defended him after game two, after the bad goal. But they need they needed Steve Mason to make a big save at a certain point. I mean that goal that that Ovechkin yeah. scored in the second period to make a two one and just inside the post. It was a long shot. It was a it was like Russ said, it was a rifle. But you know what? He's got to stop it. And then the yeah, and then the, the fact goal is, is normally yeah, Mike, you're absolutely right because normally he is his his glove is in the perfect position to stop that. But but the problem is you know his glove was down in tight with him as opposed to being out where it normally is and. That's the that's the whole difference when you watch the shot. You know, from, we watched it a thousand times because it was actually not too far from being offside. That was the first thing we yeah. thought about. Yeah. Um, but you know, of all the, the, the one that glanced off his glove to me was more egregious than than that well, one. To both, I think they were equally egregious because you do have to make that save on a Vetchkin that far out, um, and you have to and 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 the fact is he was actually in position to make the save. And normally, he's set with his with his glove there. This time his glove wasn't there, so that's why it goes in. I mean, Gudis is the one who allegedly had him covered and didn't, and so yeah. Gudis deserves some blame too. And here's right. the other thing, though. Again, this is what Kevin Allen used to talk about. Like, if Wayne Gretzky were to score four goals in this era, we'd be like, well, you know, the first one wasn't that great, and and the third one was really kind of easy. Right, 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 right. No, and nobody ever did that. And and so now we're doing that to Steve Mason. Yet I think we're forgetting after that Ovechkin shot, he made like two brilliant saves right after that. If you were going to worry if it yeah. got in his head or not, it didn't. It's just. The Capitals are this good. If you change the Flyers' goaltending, it's simply to just change it up. But I'm not going to put it on Mason. I'm really not. Well, I get the sense. I mean, the, the, there was an interesting point during this season when Neuwirth was playing very well and had actually won the start, starting spot away from Mason. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, then he got then he got hurt and, you know, Mason took it the rest of the way. But people forget that Neuwirth did win the starting job away um, and made some saves and won some games for the Flyers that, that you know, Mason may not have won. Who knows? But they were they were wins that he won. I mean, he played unbelievable in Chicago. He played against the Capitals unbelievably. Mm -hmm. He made a save we all remember with like one second left against the Minnesota Wild mm -hmm. that literally got the Flyers in the playoffs. When you look back at it, um, because that if that if that goal goes in, the Flyers don't get two points out of that win. Anything's possible, right? So the the reality is um, that Taxel doesn't mind. Neu he didn't mind giving Neuvert the starting job because some people were telling me you know, that okay, you know, well he's not the guy you're. Paying the most money to and all, he's on a two-year contractor, um, and you know, yeah. But Haxtell didn't seem to care about that earlier in the season, so I'm really curious now if Neuvert is 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 is, he, is healthy enough to play. Like I, I get the sense that he's not, like, and I get. The I know, and that's what I've been saying to you all along. Yeah. I felt like if he was, he probably would be getting the nod at this point. Here's the other thing too, with Sean Couturier out, like for again, all the people that kind of wonder what he's worth to the organization, right. it's everything because. That's one less guy you have to worry about when he's out there. Maybe two less yeah. guys at times because yeah. he can be that shutdown guy. And 
without him in there, everybody moves up, and guys like Matt Reed really get exposed. Like, yeah. Matt Reed has done nothing. Nobody writes about him because there's no expectation anymore. But he's a guy that once scored, like, 24 goals, right? And now yeah. if I had to look back and see when the last time Matt Reed scored was, it'll take me a little while. He used to score nice goals, too. He used to use his speed. Yeah. He used to be – he and, yeah, you're right. Now, Matt Reed has had a – Matt Reed's demise came with him being on a line with R.J. Emberger for a year, basically. It really felt like that took the wind out of his tails. And Couturier, there was the Couturier-Reed-Umberger line, which was just, just horrible, absolutely horrible. It was awful. And um, Couturier, you know, barely survived it as well. He had a terrible year last year, too. But, you know, this year came back, and since he wasn't playing as much with that line, he was much better. But Matt Reed never really recovered this year. He never really bounced back to where he was. And he's on the second power play unit, and he's killing penalties, and he's out there all the time. Um, and you know he gets a lot of ice time for a player that sort of is is completely non impactful. Well, but, you know it's a it's, at the end of the day like what I said before what flyers the the solid flyers hands have to take out of making the playoffs is what I said in the very beginning you know that making the playoffs is like giving these guys an extra season of experience like it's like giving yep. it's you know when you get when you get to play in the playoffs the difference between like making the playoffs and getting like a one percent chance at Austin Matthews is that is that you know, 10 of your rookies on your team or these young guys on your team playing in the playoffs, they'll come back next year like they're kind of entering their third year, not their second year. Yeah. And that's a big thing, you know. And Gossivier is getting getting schooled right now, but we've learned how quickly he can learn. So he's going to learn from this. He's going to get better. Well, what, what Washington really has to be con- – the only thing that Washington has to be concerned with right now because, you know, they're up 3 nothing. they've dominated the series is, you know <laughs> – What's going to happen? How many injuries are they going to have before the end of this series? Because now Orpic, you know, got his clock cleaned uh, with that with that hit against the boards. He was out, you know, not out cold, but he was he didn't yeah. know where he was when he got up. And it, they they say day to day, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's out for a while because he's had a concussion history. Uh, Orloff apparently was okay after the Belmar hit, but. Um, you know, he, he supposedly he got more. He was damaged more by one of the things thrown from the crowd than he was the hit. Uh, but now this morning, uh, Holtby collided with a teammate in practice and left the ice favoring his left leg. We don't know the extent of this. If this is going to be something that hampers him for Game Four, if all of a sudden you know Philip Grubauer is in goal instead of Holtby. I'm doing my show. What's up? Um, what up? What do you need? Yeah. If all if all of a sudden Grubauer is in net instead of Holpe, then you know that's something that, you know that that's a, that's a, a bit of an equalizer. That you know not to say that the, the Caps won't go ahead and win the series, but yeah. you know, they, they need Holpe if they're going to if they're going to go far in this playoffs. I muted you, Russ. Um, they do they do need Holpe, um, but I, I was told by somebody relatively close that this is not a serious thing. That um, and I don't know Would whether they tell us otherwise though really. Right. No, they wouldn't, and um, you know, not that that's not saying that Hopi might not play. I mean, they, maybe if you're the Caps, you you just go cautiously and, and don't play them in Game Four. I mean, you are up three games to nothing. Um, you never want to give a team, you know, a win, but at the same time, you know, Hopi, if you're planning on having a long run and you want to have Hopi healthy for it, why not give them off till Friday or beyond? Um, if they can win without him, then then you get a real, then you get a whole week probably to to give them rest. Right. So. Now, well, did you know that the Caps have never been up 3-0 in a series? Yeah. Series? The Predators have never been up 2 2 nothing, which is even crazier. Yeah. Um, well, before before we move on from this, just just to uh, 
tie in this game with the game at MSG tonight. According to uh, my, according to Chris Johnston from Sportsnet, the Rangers will be distributing light up bracelets to the fans at MSG tonight. So we yes. could have we could have a repeat of this in New York if uh, there's a bad call against uh, somebody on the Rangers. There's definitely a chance for it. Like I'm not going to say there's no chance. There's a chance. Every time you do something like that at a hockey game, not a concert, there's a chance. But it's a shame that we have to say that. But the, yeah, but no, I mean the reality is people are drinking and they're frustrated and things happen yeah. and, and you know and everybody thinks it's funny and all this crap. So yeah, but I, I thought you were going to more go in lines with that fact that it looks like Matt Murray might be playing tonight. Well, yeah, no, thought, no, no, this is the funny thing. Zatkoff left the ice first at the morning skate. Right. Murray skated. Jerry skated. Flurry was not seen at all. It, this is Sullivan. Sullivan seems to Sullivan's be Sullivan's playing deception. He learned that from Tortorella. Exactly. This is this is just this is just pulling the string. This is you don't know. We don't know any. Nobody knows who's starting in goal. I mean, there's a there could be Zakoff again, but it you know it could be Murray. It could be it could be Jerry. Who knows? I want to know how hard Murray ran out there in practice. Like I, that's what I don't know. And if, if you know if this is the kind of time you want to be at a morning skate, because if a guy's coming back from a concussion and he's going hard, then he's ready. You know. I mean, the bottom line is that sounds like Murray's ready. That's what it sounds like to me. And if he's ready, he's playing. No, if he's ready, he's playing. There's no question about it. Like to me, like. And Murray, I think, might be. And Murray was every bit as good as Flurry this year. So I mean, that's a really yeah. For a small window, he was. You're right. Yeah, and, and he, in some ways, a better goalie for the playoffs than than Mark Andre Flurry. And then just hear me out on this because he's he's the kind of guy who's very, he's very relaxed in there. He's very calm, sort of giving. It's kind of what's happening with what Martin Jones is giving the Sharks, like this whole concept of like you know really. Yeah. Relaxed um, and confident goaltending that's just solid, you know. Yeah, well, I also think there's less of a scouting report on Murray than any of the goalies in the playoffs because sure. he only played a limited amount of games, and really you can't use junior scout, you can't use junior footage because the defensemen in front of him are different, and so many things changed on the Penguins that what could you really use from Matt Murray if you're going to try and break him down a couple of games? I mean, that's really all you have to go by. Right. Yeah, there's a thin, there's a, there's a thinner scouting book on Murray than there is on Fleury, but you know, you're talking about a kid who's 22 years old, and I'm sure even though he has that calm demeanor, uh, you know, there's going to be the you know the the internal machinations going on with him about playing in a playoff game. So I think they sort of counterbalance each other. And plus, uh, Russ Vigneault was playing the similar type games as well. McDonough oh, yeah. was in practice today. Girardi was in practice today. They called up Rafael Diaz yesterday. So there's, all, there's also some chicanery going on there as well. Here's the thing, though. The only difference with the chicanery, and Vigneault definitely plays into it, is that we all know McDonough is visiting a, um, a specialist today. Specialist, yeah. And so that's the difference is if, if he gets any kind of positive report from the specialist, we know he's playing. I mean, basically, last year we knew at Game 7 when he was testing out that foot, it was bad, and he still played. Like, this guy's going to play if there's any possibility of him playing, and the fact that he's seeing a specialist is a little bit of a tip-off. Yeah. They'll probably just fit him with some sort of glove or something like that, yeah. you know, just a protective thing. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be I'd be shocked if he if he didn't play at some point during the series. You know, maybe even game game. It could be tonight. Could be game four. Um, yeah, that's what, if you remember at the beginning, that's what I figured. Three or four is when he'd get back. He never. It's never going to be fully healed. But right. you know, they're doing a good job. The trainers and doctors over there at the Rangers, because Kevin Klein literally never missed a game with a broken finger and. And that's pretty good. If you think about it, in this day and age, that's pretty good. 
Well, well, I'm not sure what's going on with that, but uh, why don't we t- touch on the uh, the Dallas Minnesota game for, okay. for because Patrick Sharp put the Stars up two nothing very early. I think it was in the first five minutes of the first period, and you know being up two nothing, everybody assumed you know that was the the death now for the Wild, and surprisingly the Wild came back and won. I think it was five three. Now. Russ, I I don't I didn't give the Wild any chance in this series, and I probably still don't. It's probably going to be in five, maybe you know, at four six. Um, the one thing that I'm concerned with, and we mentioned it yesterday, is you know, they that Dallas brought back Sagan in game two, and then he's out for game three. Uh, and you don't know if that was just a re, like a reoccurrence of an injury, but now they give up five goals. Lettinen did not have a good game. Minnesota got some emotional. Uh, response, and you know now I there's there's a possibility of them going to Niemi in game in game four. So it's like I mean Minnesota now has life. I don't think a lot of life, but they have some life. I do want to point out that Rusted Chicken did pick Minnesota, and so <laughs> you know this could be his real he really his calling card. Um, yeah. The thing is here here's the thing. There's a couple things. The the defense definitely let the stars down. From what I saw, on you know I didn't get to see the whole game obviously, but the defense is a little soft and spongy. We know that. And the goaltending, once the goaltending gets a little bit suspect there, they definitely have problems. Minnesota definitely showed life. Dubnik showed that he could really be a top goalie. And, and so they're getting confidence from him. Maybe Dallas lost a little confidence knowing that Sagan can't come back because I'm really doubting whether he'll be back at all. And, and so maybe the emotional tide of this has changed a little bit to at least give Minnesota a chance. And that's what I I think sort of has happened here. I think so too. I mean, and I, I actually, the, the, you know, watching, you know, there's definitely a, there's a lot of heart and a lot of young speed on the wild that was really mm-hmm. impressive in that game. And and I and I, you know, I am definitely more of an Miami fan than a Letna fan. So I mean, if they, I thought there's no reason that you wouldn't um, bring in, you know, bring in the Emmy. You got him to play in the playoffs, so that's what kind of baffles me. Um, and it, but it just seemed like the the stars just weren't into playing last night. It really it was really like they want. There is something well, about was, he scored a couple quickies, but yeah. You know. I mean, I did a story years ago, and I got to do the research on this. There's something very real about the fact that when teams win playoff games too easily, they tend to lose the next playoff game. It's it's like you don't you don't see a you don't see a blowout followed by another blowout. Like in general in hockey. You know, and this was if there's any other hope for Flyers fans on on Wednesday, there's this I guess as well because you have like the whole concept of there's a natural letdown when you win too easily, and I think the Stars won very easily in Dallas, and I think that last night they just didn't they, they and then they got out to two nothing lead, and again things were going it was all very easy, and then they but you have to keep playing in the NHL, you just do, and they stop playing. I will say sometimes because if you go back to '94 when the Rangers played the Islanders and Ron Hextall was net, go look at the scores. Yeah, that's true. This is fine. I gotta show you guys this. This is pretty funny. This was just sent to me, as well. This is a this is the Flyers give promotional giveaway for tomorrow night. It's a rock. Um, to be in your seats by 7 p.m. to be uh, to be an integral part of our pregame show. A big rock is attached to every seat. Please do not throw this big rock onto the ice. Thanks in advance. Credit here. This is this is this is uh, Dan Levy, um, who did this uh, at Dan Levy. Thanks. Pretty. That's pretty hilarious. Anyway, just throwing it out there. <laughs> Uh, we and the one thing you now we we don't have any kind of update and probably won't get an update on on Zach Parise, but Minnesota did this 
without Parise in the lineup. Yeah. yeah without Vanek in the lineup, you, you, you it was mostly guys like uh, you, know, you had Pominville with two goals, Miko Koivu. I mean, the the veteran remnants of that of their core stepped up last night and you know did get Minnesota back into the series. So Dallas can't overlook this team. I mean, they have them at a disadvantage right now. If it goes back to Dallas 2-2, then there could be a little bit of panic with the, with the Stars because, I mean, again, their defense is not good, and they, they basically had a goaltending rotation for most of the year. They gave Letton in the first three games. Now they may go to Niemi. If they don't go to Niemi and, and they and they end up 2-2, then they're probably going to go to Niemi in game five. So, uh, you know, Lindy Ruff's got some decisions in front of him. No, yeah. No, he does. Right, and he's... Lindy Ruff is uh, is always one of if there is a weakness in Lindy Ruff, I've always kind of felt it's how he handles his goalies. Um, that see that's why I think they might go stay with Letton in act because, yeah. because in Buffalo he killed Ryan Miller in the yeah. second half of the season when they need to make the playoffs. He played him so much that by the time they got to the playoffs he was exhausted. They they had backups like Ty Conklin and Jocelyn Tebow who barely got in the game in the second half of the year. Right. Right. Now you're right. The only problem with Lettinen is he's never won the big series. Like he, obviously in Atlanta, he didn't really have much chance. They only made the playoffs like once, right? Right. And but in the AHL, he did make it through to the to the Calder Cup. But then he was really outclassed by Nidamaki of all people in the Calder Cup when he played against the Phantoms. And he was the the real big shot number one goalie. Yeah. And so I kind of wonder if that's just something that maybe is just a part of his game, where you know he can only get you so far. And the Emmy has been outstanding in the playoffs, as we saw. He won a Stanley Cup, and people never give him enough credit for that Stanley Cup because he was very good in that playoffs. Right. Um, and then people always say, "Oh, the, the, you always hear the Blackhawks won without a goalie." They really didn't. I mean, the Emmy won won a series against the San Jose Sharks that year that that he won. I mean, he was the winner. He was the reason they won that series. Well, Russ, it's a commentary on Lettinen that Jim Nil had to go out this year and sign the Emmy for a little under a little under five million dollars when he had a five plus million dollar goaltender in Lettinen. It's not exactly a, a stamp of approval or or a. Uh, uh, you know, a boost of confidence that you say, okay, we don't trust you enough or we don't trust in your health enough to go out and basically sign a 1B because you're not good enough of a 1A in goal. Right, right. That's true. That's true. Let's get on to the... Um, let's, get well, let's, on get, the let's, get, let's get on to that San Jose LA series, right? right which I, I couldn't be happier about the result of. Um, as oh, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, that's what you want. That's exactly what you want, because here's the thing, and I tweeted it out, and I know it's crazy, but you do not want to get up 3 nothing on the Kings. Um, the bottom line is, if you get up 3 nothing on the Kings, all they're going to be talking about today is, you know, you're not going to sweep the King, you know, you're not, you're not, you know, the Kings are going to come back on you again, and that would be a disastrous thing for the for the Sharks that they could not come back from, were they to lose another 3 nothing series lead to the Kings. So, so wait, so... So you'd rather them lose yes, an overtime game where they blew power play chances. Yes, no questions about it. They yeah, were better. Right. They were better than the Kings last night for most of the game. Um, at the end of the day, you're not going to sweep How the game. So they were tied for most of the game. How could they be better? They were. They outshot them. They outchanced them. They oh, were. Give they me that means nothing. That doesn't mean nothing when you outchance a team. Okay, so they were. I mean, Quick was very good at times. He made some really big saves. But here's the he thing. He was better than very good. Oh, yeah. He was great, and and that's then that's part of the Kings thing is, but the Kings just offense just isn't really there. I mean, it really is. It really is not. Played thirty five minutes. It doesn't matter about their offense. Like thirty five minutes. I'm sorry, my dog's going crazy. 
No, but here's my thing. Okay, they're not going to sweep. It's going to go back to to San Jose. Going back to LA five three to one, no matter how you slice it, right? So don't. Wouldn't you rather go back to San go back to LA three to one, having one game four? Than no, no. I would if I if I was San Jose if I was San Jose I would have rather swept them and not have to go back to LA. Well, that's now, a given. But, but you're now, not going to sweep the Kings. The Kings are a good team. You're not going to sweep the Kings. So you have to realize that you're going to. You're going to go back three. The best you're going to do, the best you're going to do is go back three one. It could go back two two, but you want to have you want to win the game. You, you want to you want to have a big part of this Sharks collapse last time is once the Kings won one game, the Sharks couldn't win another game. So the idea here is that now if they can win, if they can let the Kings win this game three, and then go out there and they can win game four. This is a game. This is a game that San Jose should have won. San Jose had numerous power play opportunities right. in the third period. Late in the third period, they had two back-to-back power plays. When uh, the second one, when Tanner Pearson shot it over the glass. Sorry, one second, guys. I'll be right back. Yeah, okay. No, no, don't worry. We'll we'll go on. That's uh, fine. I. But 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 LA's penalty killing. And the funny thing was Russ, for most of the game, their penalty killing unit was Kopitar, Doughty, Muzzin. And I think I think Carter was the other four. They used their top players on the penalty kill. Yeah, they're playing those guys too much. Carter and and Kopitar are getting played too much. It's definitely a problem. It's again, Kopitar, you can't rely on his defense this much if you want to get some offense out of him. And they're sort of sucking the offense out of those guys. Now, I mean, that might be a symptom of the fact that Sutter knew that it was a, a massively big game, and if they lost it, they were probably going to lose the series. So he was going to he was going to go with his best. Right. If he, does, if he does that in Game Four, then you're right. Then I think he's he's using Kopitar. I mean, but you know, Kopitar scored a big goal uh, late in the first period to tie up the game after Thornton had scored 30 seconds into the first period. I mean, I I, I think I was on the phone with you when when Thornton yeah. scored, and I said, "Gee, here here we go again, one nothing San Jose," and it was the first shift. But now, I mean, now again, those little things in the back of the San Jose Sharks' head that is telling them, "Uh oh." You know, it's like you know, here's the, here's that team, here's that team that came back from three nothing, we're up two nothing, and now they're coming back again. So, I, I'm not saying that San Jose is done. They're not. They're they're in a, they're in the best one of the best positions they could be in. Yeah. But the team that came back on them a couple years ago could come back on them again. Oh, there's no question that they could come back on them again. I agree completely. I just don't think that. You know, and I, I mean, I'm just, you know, I, I'm just being facetious to a degree. But at the, at the other point, I'm also sitting there and saying, you know, that there is a, to me, there is a momentum thing. And I did not, I mean, the solace of this is like the Sharks up three nothing again would worry me. <laughs> as strange as it sounds, um, and uh, just from a fan's perspective, the Sharks up, I'm using your rest. The Sharks, Sharks up three nothing would worry me because they would be, you know, they would. And then if the Kings then if the Kings win Game Four in this kind of fashion in overtime, then you start to question everything. So, to me, maybe, maybe this this gives the Sharks a chance to bounce back now, and and you know, and it's just a series. It's not like they're going to blow a big lead in a series. It's just a series. To me, that's well, you have better. an unproven goalie in there who's now in a real pressure spot that he hasn't been in before. That's true. No, it's all true, and and you know, and Quick is a phenomenal goalie, and is going to be a phenom- is going to play phenomenally, and he is keeping them in games, no question about it. Um, the defense is not looking great, in my opinion. Um, they're relying a lot on scoring of, of you know rather bizarre players. I mean, look at who scored in this series for the for them so far. So, 
Well, one, I mean, one one encouraging one encouraging thing for for the Kings is that Marion Gabrick, who came back in Game Two and didn't look that great, he looked really good last night, and they need him in terms of being a secondary offensive source. He had a couple opportunities to score last night. Yeah, go go on. Um, he he had a couple opportunities to score. This world is going to the dogs, Russ. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dog, dog, caninus interruptus. Yeah, uh, but but for the Kings going forward, I think you know. First of all, they have to get Martinez back. If he's anywhere close to being able to play, they got to get him back in the lineup because there was a lot of situations last night where Muzzin and Dowdy were playing, and you could see that the trust level in guys like uh, in guys like Luke Shen. And and Jamie McBain are and are, just, are not there. And I mean, they were playing Scuderi in key situations, and this guy barely could play on the bottom pairing with Pittsburgh and with Chicago. So I mean, they're they're in deep trouble on defense. And, that's the Sutter way, though. He really shortens the pairings and shortens yeah, the does. bench. You're right. That is the way he coaches, and we can't really say anything because he's won. I mean, so. At some point, that might be a bad thing. I mean, Luchik's head wasn't in that game. I saw one horrible turnover. Oh, well, Luchik's on the first goal of the game. Um, yeah. the, the way Luchik just looks at Thornton as Thornton's circling and, and yeah. gets away from him. But he, but, he, but he made up for it by setting up Kopitar on the tying goal, but he also took a stupid penalty in the third period. So I don't think he's, earn, I don't think he's earning himself any uh, for, uh, dollars in free agency with the way he's played so far. Guaranteed extensions are not quite coming yet. Um all right, so let's get into tonight's games. We have a few. Uh, we talked a little bit. We already talked a little bit about the Rangers and Penguins, um, but there's four games tonight. It's a big night in hockey. Um, we also have the well, one one little message here for Anaheim and Nashville. Yeah. According, according to Elliot Friedman, Freddie Anderson will be starting for the Ducks, which we could see coming a mile away. You got to give Boudreaux credit for having guts. You know, like he. I mean, this is like this is. You know, it's funny. I wrote my article about goalie into the into the wolf to the wolves. He did, and yeah. you could have predicted this would happen. You could have, and he does this kind of thing. And I mean, it's funny as we sit here today. And I was writing my Montreal Canadiens preview this morning, and I'm I'm writing that you know here, here's Michelle Terrian has a more secure job next year than Bruce Boudreau. Yeah. Um, think about that for a second. Um, and Bruce Boudreau sitting there, and he's making this move, and. He's and I think it's I think it's a you know it's not Anderson's they're they're really pretty much they're both good goalies I mean Anderson they and they're both number one goalies in the NHL so they lose in the first round it's fifty fifty whether Boudreaux gets fired before the start of next season yeah no I think so too I think that I I do I think that I I think you know we could be looking at Bruce Boudreaux as an Ottawa Senator you know coach um if he gets if he gets knocked in the first round and I don't think that's fair necessarily but man oh man you know. Maybe somebody should wait a year before they hire Boudreaux just to, you know, yeah. let it breathe a little. Yeah, and how long did it take between Washington? Was it two weeks? Yeah. Or less than a week that he got yeah. gobbled up? Yeah, it was, it was about a week, I think. Yeah, so. There's other guys out there, but we'll see. I mean, look, Anaheim, again, they they needed some sort of shakeup. I guess they're going to do it in net, but somehow you have to wake up their big guns, and if you don't, they're going to be in trouble. I mean, this is a team that I, I don't know how they go scoreless for so long and how they just their offense just dies the way it does with the players they have. I guess it's age. I don't know what else to attribute it to. Yeah, I mean, it feels like confidence. You know, it feels like confidence yeah. to me. And I don't know, it, it's hard to imagine, but 
you know, to say the Predators are a more confident playoff team than anyone is. is and they are. But they are a more confident team than, I mean, the, you know, the Preds have never been out of the second round of the playoffs. They've never, um, I mean, they've never been up two games to nothing in a series like they are now. So, and, and, and I mean, Nashville is going to have the advantage tonight because they will be able to put out Weber and Fisher against Getzloff and Perry. So they'll be able to match up defensively, and they'll, and Laviolette will probably try to keep Kessler away from the Johansson line. So if they can do that, they have a distinct advantage over over Anaheim. I'm not saying Anaheim can't go into Nashville and win the and win the game, but I mean that's a big advantage. The, the the Predators were able to overcome that in Anaheim, but they have an advantage going back home to Nashville. The worst thing for Anaheim is is they're playing an offensive-minded coach, and so they're going to have to score to win this. You know, they're going to have to score more than they usually do to win this series yeah. because the other coach is going to let his guys try and work up the offense because he knows he has great defensive players, and and that's something where Boudreaux's got to match him somehow. He's got to match that. Well, here's the thing, and this was brought up by um, Jeff Merrick on um, Sportsnet this afternoon um, when I was watching it. He um, and this is a really good point. That you know the Ducks won a lot of these games, a lot of these one nothing, two one games down the stretch, and they've been playing at a high level for a long time. They've had to play at a high level for a long time because of their start. They had, in order to get back, they had to really play at a high level. Um, but they weren't playing against other teams who were also playing at a high level until now. And now, and that that I think is a really good point. That you know that now they're sitting there and they're going against the Predators, who are also now everybody's in survival mode, not just them. And that's a big difference, you know. And I think that what you're seeing is a you know a Predators team that has Maybe it's not as publicized as the Ducks issues, but the Predators have had also their playoff problems, you know, and they, they haven't gone as far as they should have gone in the playoffs based on how they the regular seasons they had. So these are two teams that are in sort of the same boat that way, um, and right now one just looks a lot more up for it, you know. Um, and the fact is, you know, these are probably these might be the two best defenses in the NHL that are playing each other. So it, yeah, I think the bonus for Nashville was when you get Craig Smith and Colin Wilson back into the flow. That's huge for them because those are guys that have been really inconsistent at times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Craig Smith has been a pretty good playoff performer, and Colin Wilson. Then both these guys have been pretty good playoff performers in their career. But, but you're right. In the regular season, they've had they've had big struggles. Um, yeah, for well, sure. I'll tell, you, I'll, tell, I'll tell you one thing though about Nashville, and they got away with it in Game Two. James Neal has got to stop his extracurricular stuff. The, uh, the 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 stick underneath the uh, the mask of John Gibson. Now apparently it was in retaliation to something that I think Kessler did to Pekka Rene. But you know that in a especially in a playoff situation, it's not the first offense that gets caught. It's the retaliation. Right. So they're up to nothing. They have a chance to take a stranglehold on the series if they play their cards right. And a stupid penalty like that could turn the series. So Neil's got to keep himself in check. You're right. You're right. I mean. I, I, so what do we think? What are we we thinking about Chicago, Chicago, St. Louis night? This is the bit. That's the other big one that we want to talk about. I mean, we also have the Islanders. We have a lot going on tonight, but let's just get through these fast. Um, Chicago. Thoughts? I th I think you see that. I mean, obviously, Chicago needs to win this to tie it up to go back to St. Louis two two. Um, you know, if St. Louis can somehow win two at the United Center, obviously they would they would have a, a stranglehold on the series. That's not exactly insightful, but I mean, I the the, the Blackhawks with Keith back. I, you know, Crawford had a I thought he had a pretty good game in game in game three. This is. You know, the, this is where that core group that has won Stanley Cups 
comes to the forefront. And this is why I and picked you could include Andrew Lamb back in that core group. Right. And this is why I picked Chicago in the series. This is the this is the game where you know, Chicago, A, needs to win and has the capability to win the game. I think the most important thing, Russ, is they got to get Patrick Kane uh, producing at a high level. Tarasenko, in that one-to-one matchup between him and Kane, Tarasenko has won. He's been almost unstoppable, whereas yeah. Kane has been, you know, he took the big double minor in the third period in game three that cost them the game. He's got to step it up. May, you know, I don't know if that means maybe moving him off the line with Panarin and uh, and I wouldn't do it yet because I thought Panarin's played well. I wouldn't do that yet. Right, but, but I really thought Lad, Lad's been hitting everything that moves, and that's been a big factor for them and and a nice addition. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, I think you're going to see Quenville do what Sutter's doing. He's going to rely on the guys that he's going to rely on because he wants this win. Like this is the game Chicago has to win now. Right, and and what and his Quenville's tendency in that in that instance is to put Kane with Taves, make yeah. make it a make it a matchup that is almost impossible for anybody to counter. And you know, he's, he's, done, he's done that in, ma- in many instances before. So I think they may they may may go that direction. And if it doesn't work, then he can switch Kane back to the Panarin line and and have two offensive lines. But you know, I don't know how I don't know how St. Louis matches up Kane and Taves. If they can shut them both down, then you're, then, then you know that they're they're probably you know going to win, but we'll see. I do want to say officially, Brooks Orvik is out for Game Four. He didn't practice today. All right. This is the Panda. Culprit. Panda the dog. Shut up, Panda. No relation to rest of the chicken. Panda the dog is, feels like she needs to defend the house whenever people are mowing the lawn outside. So she's uh even though she's the smallest dog, but she's a good she's a good dog. She's just doing her dogly duty. Um, <laughs> I'm putting her off duty. Hang out here just for a bit, okay? <laughs> All right. So, um, <laughs> and uh, and the fly fi- finally, um, Florida and the Islanders, right? So, okay. you know, this. I do want to say one thing about that. You brought up something about the stranglehold concept. Does three one feel like a big deal anymore? Like it doesn't. No. It, it's funny how three one is sort of like when we were kids. Like three one was like a crazy thing. Like no one came back from three one. Now, that was before the Red Sox, you know, beat the Yankees. That right. Was Remember we would hear this kind of thing all the time? The Flyers beat the Bruins. Like, we've had these massive upsets in the last, you know, 20 years to sort of change our thinking. No, yeah. nothing, nothing's impossible to come back from now. Now that we've had, we've had two three-nothing comebacks in the last six years. We've yeah, had a ton of three-ones, though. I mean, like a ton of three-one comebacks in the but last... Three-ones used to be that way, Mike. It used to be like... Yeah, it's pretty I remember much. like the Islanders Capitals three one was always talked about. Oh, the Islanders came back on the Capitals from three one or whatever. Capitals have lost more three one series now than they could count. They could throw a chicken at you know. I remember. I remember. I think it was. I think and you know this is the old Norris Division battles. But I remember Toronto going up on Detroit three to one. I think it was eighty seven or eighty eight. This is you know, they had beaten Chicago, upset Chicago in the first round. Were up three one after Mike Allison had scored an overtime goal in Game Four, and Detroit came back. I think it was Jacques Demers. Detroit Red Wings came back and won the next three, and in one game, one in seven games. So yeah, it's. I mean, back then it wasn't even impossible, but you know now, it, it Chicago came back against Detroit uh, the one year. That was the year that uh, uh, I think Seabrook went into the penalty box and and calmed Jonathan Taves down because he yeah. was losing it. It's not impossible, but let's just say I would rather be two two than three one. All right, yeah. so let's talk about the Islander game for a little bit. I mean, Bryce played really well. He's played better than I think we all expected that he would. Yeah. I think the the coaching Capuano has risen to the occasion. He's put Pollock in there. He's getting production out of him. 
He's getting way better production out of John at Tavares now. John Tavares is now looking like a superstar. He's got Strom on the board. That's big. Now that all these contributions are happening, the Islanders are really dangerous. I still think Florida is going to win this in seven, though. I, it's going to be an up and it's an up and down battle with great game, not great game with Luongo and Yager hasn't done anything yet in the series. Like imagine if Yager were to, were to do something. So, I think. I think we're still going to see something here, and I think it's going to be a long series. I know Islander fans are probably thinking it's not going to be a long series now, but I still think it's going to be. Yeah, I I, I, I side with that because, first of all, I didn't expect Grace to play this well. I still think that Florida has the, the goaltending advantage in this series, although Luongo didn't play great in, in, in game one. I thought he played very good in game two. In game three, I don't think he was at fault for the for the loss. But, yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for Riley Smith, they would be down 3 nothing. They right. need Barkov, Huberdeau, and especially Yager, you know, maybe even on the power play, but even but five-on-five five as well to, to generate offense. If, if, it, if they're held scoreless or held in check and Tavares continues to score uh, the way he has been, then, you know, the Islanders will win the series. But I, I just think that there's more to Florida than meets the eye right now. Yeah, and Ekblad's getting back into it now. I mean, he had a goal taken away. He still could be a big factor, too. I agree with that one, too, as well. Um, I don't think so. I, th- I think this is the Islanders series now. I do. I really do. I don't know. I, we'll see where it goes. But And I picked you know, Florida in this series. But I, I, I'm st- I really just watching this. It feels like the Islanders. Let's go to the lottery simulator. Yeah, well, let me just add, let me, while you're pulling that up, maybe there was some, some change in luck because they did change the SUV from a white SUV to a silver SUV at the Barclays uh, <laughs> Center. So maybe there's some luck, change of luck there. Don't they know by now never to change anything? I don't know. I kind of wonder at the end of the season, though, will, will somebody get to walk off with that lucky SUV? You know, like on a game show. Like that's I'm waiting for that to happen. I thought you were gonna say lucky SOB, but okay. John Scott just got his car today from the All Star team. Really. All right, anyway, here we go. Um, pick the winner for tonight. Or for the NHL lottery earlier. The winner is the Montreal Canadiens. Oh. There you have it. So I mean, you, you I want you want the result that Toronto fans would hate the most? There you have it. Can you imagine this? What I wrote about today is that this team, more than anything else, needs star power. They would get. You know, they have lots of good. Good well, they can, uh, prospects, they can, from what I hear, but no real big-time prospects. They are well. They can afford to trade PK Subban if they draft Austin Matthews. Nah, never gonna trade PK. Next up, the John A. Leafs, the sloppy second to the Montreal. Now this would be the most interesting way for the Leafs. You know, like we're pretty sure, like if it goes fourth, they're gonna go Kachuk. But if it goes second or third, this is where you don't really know who the Leafs are taking. And this is where, to me, the most intrigue is. One and four, I'm pretty sure. Two and three, I don't know. Right. I actually think, Russ, that three, they would still take Kachuk. I don't think so. You don't think so? At two, they think they're taking one of Puyarvi or Line A. I think either way, they're taking one of the Vince at two or three. Mm-hmm. I'm up as third today, so there you have your draft lottery simulator for... And and Yarmo gets his fin. Yarmo gets his fin. Yarmo going to not take a fin so he doesn't have to... He gets so offended. You notice this, Russ? He gets so offended (laughs) when you talked about fins with him. He's like, like, I don't just pick fin. You know, he's told me this so many times. I don't just pick fins. I'm not... I'm like, wait, who's your best prospect? Oh, he's a fin. I'm like, oh, wait a second. What are you talking about? I don't just take fins. But just picture this at the draft. The minute he takes one of those guys, like he would take, you know, play RV there, let's say, 
That would be the first question he would be asked, and he'll get mad. Immediately, immediately. You're you're a Finnish coach. You're taking a Finnish goalie. All right, so here we go. Here we go. Ready? Um, Panda's going to talk us out today. Panda's going to tell us that without the buzz, it's – there we go. Without the buzz, it's just hockey. Talk to you soon. Panda, come on. Check off the stop broadcast.